my natural dominant one is actually more of the protector. It's almost like unconsciously, it's easy for me to be the protector. So consciously, I need to pay attention to adding more leader and more servant in my life. So I don't come across as that dogmatic kind of cult leader and and make a customer feel like they're an idiot for not moving forward with me. And they, you know, I don't ever want to make a customer feel small or anything. And, and that would happen if I don't balance those two out. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell. I have another Jason on the call today, but not a stranger for longtime listeners to the Selling with Love podcast. Jason Forrest is back from the FPG group, the Forrest Performance Group, who's a leading authority when it comes to culture change programs and making sure high performance, high profit, best places to work type of practices are brought into your sales methodology. Now, You might have seen a lot of people doing sales training that are all about the push, 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 and you got to be aggressive. But we've also seen the other side of the coin where there are salespeople that are just saying you got to let the customer decide. One of them seems to be on the extreme, the other on the other extreme, and we have to find a way to bring the best of both without actually taking all the negatives that comes from choosing one side or the other. I find Jason's training methodology about being a sales warrior is the perfect balance of reaching goals and caring for your customers as well. This is why I always bring him back to come and teach here. He is on the number five global sales guru list. He actually speaks about warrior selling leadership sales coaching programs. He's one of the top trainers in the world and back once again to speak about what is happening in the world of sales with all the technology buzzwords such as AI coming out. What does that mean for the world of sales as a whole? It's going to be a great conversation. Jason, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Very happy to be on your show. I love your show. love all the stuff that you guys do. And everyone needs to tune in and listen. (laughs) Well, listen, I love having you back because we always have these very, very interesting conversation. And I want to jump right into it because you have the boots on the ground. You're going into sales teams. You're going into organizations, doing trainings, developing talent. And of course, the new kid on the block as far as technology goes is this whole thing about AI. And a lot of industries are feeling maybe fears about, you know, being redundant, replaced, downsizing. And I just love to hear from you. What is the current word on the street when it comes to the role of sales with the development of technology such as AI? This is great. I'm actually doing a webinar on this in just a couple of weeks. This is a great topic that you're going to get me thinking about it even more. So, you know, to me, I'm a huge fan of AI. I don't feel like it's a human versus a machine thing. I think that the AI, the ability to use artificial intelligence like chat GPT, that's what I use a lot. It just makes things kind of faster and more efficient and more effective. And so I could definitely share with you all the ways that we use it here at FPG and the way that we teach people to use it. But everything in life is really about your intention, right? So I've always said, you know, what's the difference between like the world's greatest con artists on the planet, you know, Bernie Madoff and, you know, maybe one of the greatest people that really help and serve other people, you know, in the world when it comes to a sales ability. And the answer is always intent, right? So the strategies are always the same. The concepts are always the same in the sense of being effective to be able to persuade someone to do something that we're planning on doing, but it's all about your intention. So I think if you keep your intent to lead, protect, and serve your customers, then I think you can use AI to do it more efficiently and effectively. 
Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I'm also quite a fan. I use it extensively as well. I feel like it gives me that superpower that I can use it in sales to be more empathetic, to focus on what are the things I can do to connect more with the people and to kind of help understand them and bring them to that decision, which kind of makes me want to distill that essence of the humanity. I know you speak a lot about this intent, but when it comes to what is left in a salesperson, when you see a tool like AI automate a lot of the work, what do you think are the key skills and kind of like competences that we should be focused on if we're doing sales that you feel AI is very far away from even replacing? I think it's very far away from replacing, but I think quite the opposite. I think you can almost put like chat GPT, let's just use that as an example. You can almost say that would be synonymous to script your sales process or not to script your sales process. Because the number one argument that people have is I don't want to script my process because I don't want to come across phony. And my whole thing is if you can pre-plan or pre-strategize, you know, what you're going to say, do, and think about to move your customer away from the problem that they're facing and move them towards some sort of like business or life improvement. And you can kind of premeditate or pre-plan that. Then what happens is when you're actually in the game with the customer, now you could actually focus on the customer more. What I find is it's like the paradox of the script, like the whole argument people make on, I don't want to script because I don't want to focus on the script because I'm not going to focus on the customer. And my whole point is, I think actually, if you internalize and premeditate your game plan, I think that can actually liberate you to focus more on the customer because now this kind of process pattern and strategy is, it's like a part of you and it's the best version of you. So it's kind of the whole argument that people have on that is. I think very flawed. So I would say the same thing happens to do with AI. So for example, so I was on a prospect call just yesterday and I do this all the time now with ChatGPT. It's up on my browser. And, you know, right before the sales call, I just go into ChatGPT and I say, you know, give me a hundred word summary of what this company does, who their ideal client is, how do they benefit, you know, how do they benefit the customer and what potential problems might they be facing? I just asked ChatGPT that, right? So then I get on the call with the potential customer and I said, hey, here's some basic research that I've learned about you. I just want to make sure I'm on the same page with you and we're in rapport so that I can really help, you know, solve your problems and what you're trying to accomplish today. So this is what I've learned about you. Please, you know, kind of yes and that or fill in any blanks that I might be missing. And it's amazing how many people are like, no, you nailed it. You said it better than we actually say. <laughs> so then, so I go, great. So now they're on the same page with what you guys do and how you help serve your customers. Let's talk about what problems are you facing right now in your sales that's preventing you to serve even more customers. But like, this is a real life example of, I mean, my team never had the bandwidth to find that level of research out to be that fast and efficient with a customer, like out of the gate. Like it would have taken probably like one person on my team. I don't know. It probably would have taken them 16 hours to probably find that information out. And I could ask ChatGPT, and I found it out literally 30 seconds before a sales call. It's absolutely fascinating. That's insane, right? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and you know what I find funny, Jay, is that, you know, a lot of the technologies that did come out, I'm talking about like the internet, the social media, and the kind of repercussions that came from that seem to have been something around the lines of making us less human, like less connected to community, feels like we have more loneliness as we have more connections. And AI was always viewed as this machine that's going to take over humans. But so far, the only thing I've witnessed is, is the first time I see a technology that feels like it's giving us more bandwidth to be more human. I don't know if you have any opinion on that or if you've seen a similar trend. I mean, I haven't thought of it specifically like that. 
I love that frame that you just said. I couldn't agree more. I think it's, again, like that perfect example there is, think about this. Like when you're first engaging with a customer, it takes a second for you to be in rapport with them. Every customer is asking one thing, and that is they want a made-for-you service. They want a made-for-you product. And they want to make sure that, you know, you, if you're the partner or vendor that's trying to sell them something, they want to feel that, like, you get them. You know, like, in selling, you always want to balance two things. That's empathy and authority. That's the two things you always want to kind of balance. And so empathy is you get me, and authority is I got you. Like, those are the two things, right? Well, think about this. I mean, if I can very quickly learn about you as my potential customer that makes you feel that I get you because I do get you now because I understand. And then you confirm that I get you, at least from the basic idea of what your company is all about. Well, now you let your guard down and now I can actually focus on kind of more important human stuff, like more important high level stuff of, okay, well, now that we're on the same page of this now. Let me ask you, Mr. Prospect, like, what does this really mean to you? Like, give me more of like the inside baseball stuff about why you created your company to do these things. What was the story behind it? What was the vision behind it? Because now I've like broken the ice with like the basic surface stuff that most salespeople never even get to that level. So now I can really be human and talk about the cool stuff. Nice. Yeah. It's so cool to see. And so it sounds like, you know, the whole panic or concerns that we seem to be seeing in a lot of the fields like artists, right? And we're seeing the Writers Guild are on strike as the time we're recording this in America because we're seeing AI being a big part of taking away the kind of edge or the proprietary knowledge they had. Sales doesn't seem to have that struggle as much. Or have you had to restructure your team or retool your team in certain ways in the birth of this technology? Uh, No, again, I would just say that it is 100% freed up people on my team as far as time that they would normally spend doing the things that now AI can do for them. And so now they can actually do the things that are more kind of valuable and more important for them to do for their customers and for us at FPG. Love it. And so, as I know, you're training a lot of these organizations, you're bringing in some tailored solutions when it comes to helping them hit their sales goals, et cetera. Have you noticed a type of person that's actually really fearful of it or seeing that they're losing a part of their role or identity because these technologies are coming in? And do you have a strategy to deal with someone who might not get it at the level that we've been having conversations about? (laughs) You remind me of the scene from the movie Internship with Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn. Have you seen that? I have seen it, but I don't know which scene we're referring to. Oh my God, it's Mary and I's, our favorite movie. So basically, right, they're going to work for Google. There are these two like watch salespeople that just got fired and the guy's shutting his business down. And his whole thing is, you know, the watch is obsolete. No one's using a watch anymore. And he like immediately asks his older secretary, you know, hey, Sue, what time is it? And she pulls out her iPhone and says, oh, it's 1120, you know, central time. And he's like, see, she's my own assistant. Doesn't even use a watch anymore. She just uses the, phone. And so his whole point is, you know, everything's going to machines. And then of course, Vince Vaughn is like, no, people hate machines. Have you seen Terminator one or two or three? (laughs) Like, it's just a funny scene, but it reminds me of what you're talking about. It's like all of a sudden we're having this like Terminator flashback that that's what it's all about. But so sure, I would assume people are out there like that. I mean, I think there's obviously a concern, you know, when it comes to that, a couple of things. So again, what we're known for at FPG is not just teaching people how to do something, but is also removing the mental leashes or resistance that prevents them from doing it. Well, here's some kind of things off the cuff that I would probably say to coach someone if he was having that problem. I would say, okay, well, you know, number one, let's take a step back and let's figure out, you know, what is your overall goal, right? What is your goal as a salesperson? What is your personal mission? 
what is your ikigai? That's a word we love using, right? So the ikigai is the Japanese word of, you know, what are you most passionate about? What can you be the best at? What does the world need? And what can you make kind of money doing? It's the convergence of those questions, right? You're a key guy or Jim Collins would call it your hedgehog concept, I believe, right? And good to great. So same concept, but so you kind of ask him, Hey, what's your key guy? And he talks about, you know, the, he or she, the salesperson says, you know, well, I just, I really am passionate about my product or service. And I really believe that, you know, every business needs to have it. And here's the problem that it solves. And here's what it really do for the customer. And, and then I would just respond back and I would say, okay, well, you know, right now, like what is your current conversion rate? Oh, my current conversion rate is probably like, you know, 5%. Okay. Well, what if you had a tool that could double that, that could get you to kind of lead, protect and serve even more customers? Like, do you really believe that your product or service is better than the competition? Oh my God. So I so believe that I believe, well, do you believe that your competition is harming harming your customers by them buying an inferior product because your product is so much better. Oh yeah. I hundred percent believe that it really just, I'm very passionate when I lose a customer. Well, let's talk about how using this technology can actually kind of unlock the hidden advantage that you could use to again, lead, protect, and serve more of your customers. And if it could do that, suppose it could do that, then would you kind of surrender to it? And they would say, well, maybe, and I would say, okay, well, let me put it this way. Do you believe that people that resisted the internet eventually had to surrender to the internet? Yeah, yeah, I believe that. Do you believe that people who resisted email <laughs> eventually could surrender to that? Yes. Do you believe that people who resisted like the flip phone to go to the iPhone, you know, had eventually kind of surrendered to that? Yeah, yeah, I believe that. So do you believe that, that eventually people are going to have to surrender to this thing? Yeah, I believe that. So do you want your enemy to have this advantage first? Or would you like to have this advantage as the good guy? That's probably how I would do it. Damn. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. And I can see the whole coaching process of where you have to lead them down that path. And you're right. And it's so funny because as I'm recording this, for those who are watching on YouTube, you'll notice maybe I have an interesting background compared to my usual studio, but I am in a retail space for a swimming pool store. And when you spoke about resistance to the email, I can't stop thinking about my father who basically he was on fax machines, probably a little too late. <laughs> and then eventually even he's using emails and I just sent him an email to him, hey, can you print this out for me? And now actually has adapted to that, which is something I would have never imagined 20 years ago. And so, yeah, we have this new kid on the block, this AI thing, which I know I've been on the topic quite a lot because it's such a, for those of us who are into it, we're seeing it, but I still see a lot of people who have not even been exposed to its potential. So I think it's important to kind of remind it and talk about how it's really transforming things and to keep an eye on it. Now, you, Jay, you speak a lot about a concept. I heard you say it a few times. I kind of want to dig deeper into it because a lot of times when we speak about, you know, the role of a salesperson, especially in a negative light, we might be taken back to a scene from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, thinking about Alec Baldwin telling us, always be closing. And that's the only thing that you should do regardless of the impact consequences or whoever you're selling to. That's just the only thing you can think about. Yet you speak a lot about leading, protecting, and serving. And I know that's at the foundation of what you teach. I'd love for you to unpack that a little more so we can understand why this new mindset of a salesperson to have that at the foundation makes it so much more effective. Yeah, so these are kind of three archetypes that are in each of us. And so if you think of and when I say these to everyone, I want you to kind of think about which of these are most kind of dominant in you and then which of these are more dormant in you. And when I say that, they're all in us. It's just the dormant ones might need to be more cultivated than the other one. But it's important to have balance 
really in all three. And I'll share with you why it's important to have balance. So the leader archetype is that focuses on a process, right? It's the person that focuses on a sales process and they know that the customer has a series of kind of decisions they need to make. And if I can help them, you know, unpack those decisions or understand, solve and resolve those decisions in kind of some sort of like systematic order, then it's going to lead to kind of the overall resolution, right? And they're all about kind of owning that process and that experience. That's really the leader archetype. The protector archetype is the one that is all about protecting the customer from any enemy that would be preventing them from accomplishing their mission. So that enemy might be themselves. It might be their own fears and uncertainties and worries and so forth. It might be the economy. It might be like the news, the media. It might be the board that they're a part of. It might be their boss. It might be sometimes it's their own family. Like we do a lot of work in the housing market. And sometimes, you know, it's you have a 55 and up buyer that, that wants to, you know, buy in a 55 and up neighborhood and their own child, like their own son or daughter will get in the way and go, really? I mean, you're, you're really going to move out of town and who's going to babysit my kids? You know, and my old boy does think about how selfish that is, right? Think about how selfish that you got this 40 year old kid who, you know, their parents, their entire life have like submitted to them and like done everything they can for them and been there for them and kind of put their own goals and dreams off to the side. And then all of a sudden, you know, finally the parents have enough courage to go to their own kids and say, look, you guys are self-sufficient now. You're your own people. We just want to kind of enjoy, you know, our rest of our life together and do things you want to do and vacation. And then all of a sudden this, you know, selfish 40 year old kid says, but who's going to watch my kids, right? Who's going to pick up the kids? We're going to have to like get a babysitter now. And, you know, how can you be so selfish? So as a sales warrior, you're protecting them from these enemies sometimes. And then last is serving. And so serving is, you know, similar to the whole servant leadership model, but I would take that to the sales perspective. So it's the idea of what is the customer's like true why? Like, what are they really trying to accomplish, right? Go kind of three wise deep level. What does it mean to them? What's the impact of this decision? And if they don't make it, what does that mean as well? So that's really what the idea of a servant. So I share this with you because you take these three archetypes, Jason, and you know we're all dominant on one of them. But the problem is if we don't kind of flex on the others or culture the others, we can have like a dark side. So for example, if we're too much the leader and not the protector servant to balance us, we'll come across very rigid and robotic. If we're too much the protector and not enough leader and servant, we could actually come across very dogmatic and almost like cult leader-like. And then if we are too much the servant and not enough protector and leader, we could actually come across as a pushover or what I say, get into the worst possible place to be, which is like the friend zone of selling, <laughs> you know, so which is like, I love you. You're great. I want to go on vacation with you, but I'm going to buy from someone else that I feel is going to get me where I need to go. So I will tell you in all vulnerability, my natural dominant one is actually more of the protector. And so if I find myself not really paying attention to making sure I add, it's almost like unconsciously, it's easy for me to be the protector. So consciously, I need to pay attention to adding more leader and more servant in my life. So I don't come across as that dogmatic kind of cult leader and, and make a customer feel like they're an idiot for not moving forward with me. And they, you know, I don't ever want to make a customer feel small or anything. And, and that would happen if I don't balance those two out. So how about you, Jason? What do you think your dominant is? You know, it's, it's so funny. 
as you were saying this, I was like, I'm going to tell a funny story. I'll be like, so Jason, asking for a friend who happens to be push, putting more on the servant side, but quite honestly, I'm definitely more leaning on the servant side, which actually begs a question that I want to ask because I have a feeling that might be one of the more common overflexed traits for the majority of audiences that will be coming to a podcast like Selling with Love. I would think that the servant mentality is quite the natural tendency that the majority of listeners would have, it definitely is the one that I have. And so I'd be curious to know, what are some of the best strategies you've suggested to people who might be dominant on the serving side? They seem to be you know, having calls, making friends, but then they just lack that leader or that protector element. That's a great question. So again, I think just like I did, be aware that that's your unconscious one. So you don't really need to kind of develop that one anymore. It's just, it'll naturally kind of come out of you. But then I would just make it more of a focused intention. So, you know, my intention is to work on more of the leader one. Well, what does that mean? Well, that would mean actually having more of a structured process and focusing more on the decisions or obstacles that are in the way of the customer making a decision. So for example, the leader sounds like, so Mr. Customer, I'm curious, let's just suppose that we accomplish all those things that we just talked about and all the things that you desire. And we solve the problem of blank and we get you to the goal of blank. So I'm kind of summarizing the interview here. And suppose we're able to do that. Would you be in a position of making a change? Like, would you be, is that something you'd be wanting to do today if we were able to make all that happen for you? And then they say, well, I mean, maybe, okay, well, what would be the number one area of resistance that would prevent you from making a change? And then they kind of talk through that. So that would be like the language of a leader is that I'm like systematically following some sort of methodical, like decision-making process that is being very clear on like, you know, where are we? What's next? What's the next step? And so leaders are all about like very structured agendas. They love agendas. They love the word next. They love the word. You know, they could, that's kind of the language they use a lot, right? You know, suppose we're able to do this. Then would you move forward? What holds you back from this? You know, I know you said that you needed to feel good about the economy. Now that we talked about the economy, you feel good about that. The next decision we need to talk about is blank. I mean, so they just, they talk in this very, kind of orderly way. Almost feels robotic, as we were saying, was maybe the more extreme prominence of it is like, oh my God, this is like a talking robot. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. Yeah, so you're right. See, if that's all you do, then you're right. You could come across as very insensitive. Could come, almost come across as like, you have an agenda and all you want to do is get your agenda complete. And you don't really care about like what the customer's heart is and so forth, right? So you definitely have no love <laughs> on that side of it. So well, love with like standpoint. a blank stare in the eyes, you know, <laughs> like where's the life? But at the same time, like I can, one of the things I would just want to add to that, and I know this is probably the point as well, is a lot of people lack the awareness that that process does exist, needs to be addressed and actually moves people forward. 100%. And that's really what we created. We created a 12-step process, which a 12 step selling framework that is customized for every you know individual's company and what they're kind of selling and so forth. But so it's not impersonal. It's not like our way of doing it. It's kind of our structure, our framework, but it's their language. But yes, they, they 100% need to have that. And then on the protector side, this one's a little more challenging. So I would say this is definitely kind of the toughest of the three, in my opinion, as far as to really kind of master, I was very blessed that somehow it was like in my, I don't know, in my genes or something. I don't know why I feel this way, but have you ever taken the strength finder? I've heard. Yeah. Gallup? Oh my God. I've taken it, but I tell me some of the terms because I feel like I've taken so many of these and I forget what. Yeah. There's like 32 themes. So it's like woo and maximizer and achiever and relator and developer and ideation. And you ever any of this kind of stuff? 
I just remember a test that said that I was a plant, but I don't think that's strength finder. Yeah, not the right test. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a plant, but there you go. So Gallup, it's a really cool thing. It's like now discover your strengths. So it's a very kind of like positive style of kind of, you know, these assessments that are out there. But anyway, so it basically will tell you your like strongest kind of natural theme kind of to your weakest. And it kind of like puts them in order for you. And I was just, again, one of my top themes is competition. And so competition means I'm always, you know, I just kind of naturally compare myself, not in an unhealthy way, but in kind of like a good way of, you know, well, what are the kind of the tricks or what are other people doing? You know, what's the advantage of them? What's the disadvantage of them? You know, how is that kind of better than what I'm doing for the customer? How is it worse than what I'm doing for the customer? So that's just like that natural competition theme. And that really is important for the protector. So if you want to develop the protector, then you really need to not be afraid of the competition. That's a very hard one for a lot of people because we're in this, I don't know why, but we're in this kind of culture right now that's like, hey, don't worry about anyone else. Like, don't compare yourself to others. Like, don't look on social media. It's like, we're kind of, we've almost like the pendulum swung so far to like almost be oblivious to what everyone else is doing because we're kind of like protecting our own, I don't know, like emotional ego or something. And so because of that, I think, that's kind of hurting people because so many salespeople are really flying kind of blind. I mean, they really don't have the courage to figure out, you know, this is a common question I like ask as a protector. So besides us, who else are you considering? You know, I'm sure they're doing a lot of great things. I've heard great things about them. Well, what makes them stand out as one of the top contenders or the top people that you're considering or top companies you're looking at, right? Oh yeah, that's great that they do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm real familiar with that. Okay, well, is there anything, if you could make it wave a magic wand, is there anything that like you wish that they were doing that they're not doing, which is causing you to like, you know, have another conversation with me? So Jason, we're a recruiting company. We're a training company. You know, we're a fractional sales leadership. We do a lot of things. And so a lot of our leads come in on the recruiting side. And so, you know, I'm always asking that question. There's obviously something that recruiting company didn't do, you know, to cause you to kind of like check out other options. So what were you hoping they were doing that they didn't offer so that I can kind of talk through if maybe that's something that I offer here, right? So it's just having that courage because so many salespeople are just really afraid of, well, gosh, what if they have something that we don't have? And then my whole point is, okay, well, that's just learning though. And the whole point is there's no unicorn anything out there. So like that recruiting company might have something we offer, but there's a reason we don't offer it because we offer something different. It's if we offered that over there, plus what we do over here, well, we probably have to raise the price to the point where it would be out of most people's budget. So I'm not scared of it. It's just, hey, for the price of blank, they decided to use their resources to do blank for you. And the people who value those things go with them. But if the people who choose us value X, Y, Z, and they like the way that we go about recruiting. So I'm curious, you know, between the two, like what's more in line with kind of what you're wanting to move forward with, right? So, but it's, that's the language of the protector. I really like that you've went through these examples because I think you've probably even triggered some, oh my God, can you even ask this? This is so intimidating. And so that emotional relationship you have with the line of questions that the protector has is probably going to be the indicator that you need to work towards it and practice it. And as you just said, it's like, it's a learning opportunity every time, but one that we shouldn't shy away from because they're going to be shopping the competition whether you ask about it or not. It's not like if you ask that question, they're going to go like, oh, you know what? 
I wasn't going to consider anyone else. But now that you've asked this question, I might go consider someone, buy from them. No, that's not going to happen. Just the way that you ask the questions, even for anybody listening to this, like the authority, the confidence that is portrayed because you ask those questions actually makes you then more likely to want to work with you than anybody else. So I really appreciate this. Jason, I wanted to ask because, you know, there's a lot of sales trainers out there. And there's even some that I've interviewed that are really, really famous, but I actually didn't release their episode because I did feel like they go a little too far in the intensity and the message. And there always seems to be some sort of like little scandal that follows these people because of certain business deals they've made or decisions they've made. Reputation seems to have raving fans as well as equally polarized people that hate them. And I find that's very interesting. I always love bringing you on the show because I love that you lead with kind of the right mindset. You talk about the sales warrior, you talk about the values that are important, and you bring results as well. And for just my own curiosity is like when you see these top gurus, and I'm not here to kind of drop names or anything, but the really aggressive ones that seem to follow controversy, what do you think, you know, is going on there that makes them so magnetic? And as a consumer possibly looking for sales training, should there be red flags we look into before choosing who's the people we decide to follow as a sales leader? And these are great questions that you're making me think of things I haven't thought about before. So it's great. So yes, I definitely think to answer the last question, and I'll start with that, is that we 100% should be cautious or even skeptical in a good way about who mentors us, right? Or who teaches us or who trains us because they are programming us. That's a thing. And so the best way to always think of a human being is, I mean, we started this whole conversation about, about AI, but I mean, really a human is really kind of very similar to a machine from a computer perspective. And our subconscious, it really metaphorically is just like the hard drive of a computer. And so whatever we are kind of inputting into our hard drive will eventually kind of output into the kind of documents that we produce metaphorically from a computer. So obviously from our behaviors and our words that we use and the actions that we take. So yes, uh, we do need to be kind of careful with that. There's also some research that will go along with that. One of the assessments that we use measures 16 different types of sales fears that people have. So like stage fright or selling to upmarket clientele. So people they feel like are kind of above their kind of pay grade, selling to friends and family, selling, you know, over Zoom, over the phone, asking, you know, for the order, that kind of stuff. These are reluctances that people have. Well, a reluctance is nothing more than an insecurity. We just don't like to call it that, right? A reluctance is a fear in the real kind of root of the whole thing. It's just an insecurity. Well, one of the ways that people kind of mask their insecurities is they will kind of find other people to kind of agree with their insecurity. So they'll almost kind of relabel their insecurity, right? So for example, like, one of the common reluctances that we measure is role rejection. And that's where they feel that selling is kind of a four-letter word. It's like a dirty thing. And so what do people do? They kind of relabel themselves. They'll call themselves, I'm not a salesperson. What I am is, right? So then what happens is that person now goes and creates a book, creates a program, creates a whatever. Well, the reason why I share that with people is because if we go back to what I just, you're probably thinking, okay, well, what's the problem with that? Well, one, the research is that's not an effective way to believe. But number two, remember, it's coming from an underlying insecurity. And so if it's coming from an insecurity, the more insecurities that a human being has, if they're not kind of working on dissolving those fears and insecurities, then obviously eventually it's going to come out in some sort of kind of negative way. That's probably what you're referring to when you see some of these kind of gurus that do have some sort of scandal kind of coming behind them. And that's because 
uh, they haven't actually done like the self work to kind of deal with their own kind of internal baggage. And so then it ends up kind of coming out in a really bad, unhealthy way. Thank you so much for that, Jay. It's interesting because this is one of the first exercises I do and things I speak about in the book is this whole rejection of the identity of a salesperson when it's actually a really beautiful thing. And I'm very glad that you're doing your sales training. I really love the work that you do. And that's why I always want to bring you back on the show and support what you do because I think you have that foundation in your program to be doing the inner work. And we're on a journey here to put, you know, salespeople, salesmen, saleswomen back into a better light because everything that's around us is the result of a sale. And there shouldn't be anything dirty about that, just like there's nothing dirty about a marriage, but there's people that might act unfaithfully. And yeah, it's true. I think there are a lot of people that might be in the sales role acting suspiciously and unintegrally, but uh, we need more role models. And I think you're one of them. So I'm very, very grateful that you came on the show and shared with us. For everybody tuning in, we started off by just talking about this trend of AI. And the biggest point here that Jason has made, and I would agree 100%, is it's coming whether we like it or not. But the beauty is, especially if you're in a business, you're growing, you're trying to make more sales, it's freeing you up from the mundane things that are usually not labeled as empathetic. You get to have more power to be more human, to be more empathetic, and to do more sales activities that allows you to drive more business. So why wouldn't you? Get curious about it. And as Jason said, ChatGPT is the one that he uses, is the one that I use. And sometimes that is more than enough to start with, to just play with it and see what capabilities it has. It'll definitely be a powerful tool in your arsenal. I love that we talked about how to be a protector, how to be a leader, and how to be a servant when it comes to selling is way better of a mindset to be feeling good about the sales you make, take care of the people, but not be afraid to do what is in their best interest by following an effective process, by showing that you care and that you ask the difficult questions because the discomfort in the sales process usually comes from the seller, not the buyer. And so when you overcome those insecurities, you become more effective. Jason, this was a fantastic conversation. For those who are curious, I will have a link in the show notes for more of his trainings, assessments. He has so many tools that are available to make you more effective, whether sales is your primary role or secondary role, I highly encourage. And with that, I think I've asked you this question before, but I'm going to ask it again because it's always a great question for my guests. Jason, you are on the Selling with Love podcast. What does selling with love mean to you? Well, I mean, I would actually say selling with love, it would be the convergence of mastering those three things of leader, protector, and servant. <laughs> that would be selling with love because I think if you're not kind of balanced or like we could almost say like the whole salesperson, meaning that you're not kind of cultivating all aspects of you, then I would say that you're not truly loving your prospect, loving your customer and what their kind of mission and goals are. Fantastic. Jason, thank you so much for coming back on the show and all you listeners go out there and keep selling with love. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.